Hi everyone and welcome back to the seventh episode of Autism with a Pinch of Salt. In today's episode I speak with author Dom Barclay who has recently written a book called Travelling Different. In this episode we discuss Dawn's book and different tips and hints for neurodivergent families who are travelling different, whether that may be on a holiday abroad or on a camping trip or just a short day trip. Hope you enjoy. All right, well, thanks very much, Dawn, for coming on and chatting with me today. It's my lovely. pleasure. Yeah, thank you. So before we get started, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Dawn M. Barkley. I have written a book called Traveling Different, uh, Vacation Strategies for Parents of the Anxious, the Inflexible, and the Neuro diverse. That comes after a career of travel writing, including being a travel trade columnist with four major travel trade publications. Currently, my column is at insidertravelreport.com. I am also the mother of two children that were quite challenging when they were younger. And that's all I'm going to say about that. And when I needed this book, it didn't exist. So now I've gone and written it. Wow, that's amazing. And I think with the kind of issues that we had over lockdown when travel and everything really stopped and now we have everything opening up again. I think lots of people who maybe didn't miss traveling so much when everything was closed are are maybe beginning to really realise actually now that everything's open again, there's a whole world out there. And I think for, for a long time, parents with children with additional support needs have not had the support in there even you know maybe from like the airports and and the accessibility and the world's changing now and there is a little bit more accessibility and 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 airports and trains and and traveling but it's actually knowing what to do where to start where to look and and how to get there Can you tell us a little bit about your book and how that can support families to do that? Absolutely. I would say that about 80, 85% of my book is how to travel, the the tweaks and the hacks to make it possible for you. And then maybe 15 to 20% are the places you can go because my desire was to make any place accessible if you had the right strategies. So I start with talking about introducing the concept of travel to a young child. And you've got, like you said, there is pent up demand. People haven't traveled for the last two or three years. So what you've got is people who are maybe going out on the road for the first time, or obviously for the first time in a while. And what they have found is that 87% of those that were uh, special needs families that were surveyed uh, by a group called IBCCES, 87% won't travel. But of that, 93% would if they knew where to go and what to do. So that's what I've tried to provide. So starting small involves introducing the concept of travel. And the question is, how do you do that before you leave home? Because what you don't want to do is spend a lot on a vacation and then have it turn into a disaster. So a number of ways you can do this. First, introducing the idea, maybe you get picture books with your child's favorite character traveling and you read those books. You do role play. You do social stories. Do your um, readers know about, or your listeners know about social stories? 
I think some will know about social stories. Some um, might might not know about social stories. Are you comfortable to give a, a brief rundown on what yeah. social stories are? I'm, I'm going to read something from the book because I am not the expert, but I'm going to quote the experts. Social stories are a method autism consultant Carol Gray developed as an engaging and interactive way to help those on the spectrum cope with new or problematic situations. So obviously travel would be one of these. According to Beth Arkey in her article for Child Mind Institute called Tips for Traveling with Challenging Children, the stories which are written from the child's point of view use narration as well as photos and drawings to guide a child through an experience, preparing him or her for social interactions that might be required and prompting desired responses. So a story for a child on the spectrum about a trip to Florida might include travel details, things he or she might be nervous about, people he or she might meet, assurance that parents will be with them all the time and activities they like and can anticipate enjoying. I mean, that's a really nice um, rundown of social stories. They're such a great tool to to use as well. And, and like you say, social stories are for preparing and allowing children and young people to, to have an idea of what's about to come, come next. And, and, and I think they don't have to be on the spectrum for social stories to be workable. I think that if more parents got the, maybe read that book and got the idea of how to do that, you could introduce any sort of predictability into an unknown situation because the idea is to make the unfamiliar familiar to the child because children love routine and predictability. And that's what you have to provide. So along with social stories, you might try visual calendars, which are calendars that use pictures other than words to show what's going to happen. Again, predictability. Uh, Videos are your friends. And thank goodness now videos are everywhere. So you could highlight every part of an upcoming trip, either by videos on YouTube or provided by travel suppliers. So you could walk the child through the trip before they even leave home. And then I talk about creating mini experiences, which are much cheaper than spending thousands on your vacation. So instead of going to a hotel and the introduction to being away from home being that trip, why not stay at a family member's home or a a neighbor's home or somebody who's very understanding and understanding friend so the child can experience what it's like being in a bedroom other than his or hers. And right away, you're going to see where the triggers are and what you're going to need to bring when you do travel, whether that's your own sheets and linens and blankets from home that have the familiar smell of home, or whether it's bringing the toiletries that you use from home, like your own soaps, or even bringing a fan to uh, block out the noise from the hallway, a favorite lamp, favorite toys, whatever's going to make that bedroom look familiar. Uh, Same thing with camping. Before you spend a lot on a camping trip, set out a tent in your backyard and try it. Before you go to a beach, why not buy some sand at a craft store and lay it down on a tarp in your living room? and have the child experience what that feels like to walk on sand if they've never been in sand before. So I talk about a lot of these introductory experiences that you can try before leaving home. And it's just another way to create a frame of reference. Wow, that's amazing. And the speech and language therapist and me has seen brilliant at all the, the visuals and social stories and countdown calendars. That's just that's fantastic. And again, I think a child doesn't have to be autistic to benefit from these. All children can benefit from these kind of visuals and things that we can implement. Children who have maybe never been abroad before, particularly, you know, because of COVID or not been abroad for a long time or on holiday for a long time, 
all these little tools can make the world of, of a difference. And I love the idea of, you know, practicing staying at a friend's house as well. What a brilliant way to just gently, gently introduce something unfamiliar to them in a safe way with safe people. That's, I love that. That's amazing. Oh, good. And then it's like before you go on a tour, try going any, any little excursion can be called a tour or an adventure. You know, you're going to label it any way that's going to work for you. So a, a zoo, aquarium, any sort of special event in your town, even going to a restaurant with different ethnic cuisine. All of these are experiences that you can later label and refer back to, especially if they worked out successfully. Yeah. One thing I noticed about your book that I really loved as well is you've broken it down into the different travel methods as well. Yes. What a great idea. And that means, you know, if somebody's going away via aeroplane one year, they can just skip right to the aeroplane part. If they're going away by train the next time they're going on a holiday, they can skip to the train part. Um, That's really great as well. Is there any tips from a couple of different methods of transport that you could give us just now? Yeah, yeah. I talk about airline, bus and car, train, cruising. Uh, And then when you get there, I talk about where to stay, how to select a hotel or a vacation rental. There's even a checklist for what to look for at a vacation rental. And then of course, or even camping is in there as well. And then once you're there, what to do. So there's rest- information on restaurants, information on attractions, how to handle a tour, and then dealing, did I say restaurants, how to deal with restaurants? And then I have suggestions of itineraries, including what I think is really important. And I apologize, it's mostly domestic US I, and Canada. I do hope to include an international version upcoming, but I talk about and you can use these ideas for anywhere, catering to a special interest. So we know that children on the spectrum have very special interests that they might spend 26 hours a week talking about and being excited about. And that's wonderful. So why not build a vacation around those? So I list different, I thought of all these different special interests. I mean, anywhere from rocks to insects to just elevators, construction, anything I could think of. And this was also consulting with parents and what their children's special interests were. And then I broke it down to museums and events in different areas around the country that they could visit when they're in town so that you can build the trip around those. Brilliant. And that's going to be quite motivating for the child as well. You know, it's like, okay, we can do something that mum and dad want to do, but I also know that I'm going to have something that I would like to do and I'm going to get to do at some point during this holiday as well. So there's a bit of compromise there. Yeah. And a bit of collaboration to make it family friendly, I suppose, and enjoyable for for everybody. I actually have a friend who is planning on going away their first family holiday. So it's a family of four and they are all autistic. Mum, dad and the um, two children are all autistic and they've never been away on like a big holiday before and they're planning to go away. And I I was telling her that I was going to be chatting with you today and she was like, what is this person's name? Um, And (laughs) the book will be really really good for her. One of the things that she has organised for for her family to do before they even organise where they're going is she's going to set up a talking mat session for everybody in the family. Have, have you heard of talking mats before? No, I don't know what that is. That's all right. So talking mats is 
essentially a way to facilitate a conversation for people who might find it difficult to communicate but also for those it can be for people who are verbal or people who are are non-verbal and it's sort of a way of facilitating a conversation to show how somebody feels about a certain topic you can do talking mats for anything and you have a, a top scale so there would be like a thumbs up a thumbs in the middle or a thumbs down or I like that I don't like that I'm okay with that and you can have a conversation about anything so she's going to have it on going on holiday so she would maybe break it down into how do you feel about going on an airplane you know is that thumbs up thumbs down thumbs in the middle how do you feel about airports and then you know breaking it down into really small steps and then she'll have a conversation with the family about what their expectation of a holiday is because we can say to, to our children we're going to go on holiday and what they have in their head as a holiday and what we have our, in our head as a holiday can be two completely three completely different things depending on how many of you are in the, the family so they are going to have all their talking mats and then collaboratively come together and decide okay you wanted to go here and do this we wanted to go here and do this and put it all together and then come up with a family holiday that's suitable for all of them whether that being on an airplane and going abroad or whether that just even hopping in the car and going camping somewhere yeah it's they're going to do it collaboratively to hopefully have a really great experience together. I think that's so, so wonderful because I wonder how many families neurotypical or neurodiverse ever sit down with a child and say, we're going to go on a vacation. What do you want to get out of it? What were you hoping to do? Because, and and to not just in general, but every single part of it, like what were you hoping if we went to a restaurant? What were you hoping if we went on a tour? How important is having a hotel with a pool? How important would it be to have a, a kitchen in the room so that you don't always have to go to a restaurant? Things like that are so important. And I don't think people generally sit down with their child and ask. I think they say, we're going here. And that's it. And they don't even break it down for the child. So the child doesn't know what to expect. And then the parents get really surprised when the child's melting down all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Because they've not been given that opportunity to decide or to even have a bit of an input. Like actually the the thought of going on an airplane might absolutely terrify them. You don't ask and you're not going to get that information and or and some children aren't going to willingly give up that information either. They, it'll just fester and build up and build up. But when, when she was explaining to me that this was the process that she was going to do for her holiday, I just thought, you know, it was a great idea. But also it made me think about how neurodivergent families have to just plan things a little bit differently from the neurotypicals and and what I thought was great about your book as well is it gives it it's it's a guidebook to do that you know to plan it traveling differently you know yeah plan it absolutely in a way and I think and way in great. advance preparing way in advance and what you said was really important that give the child a choice but you know maybe give them three or four different options of what you want to do but make sure you've approved all of them ahead of time so there are no wrong answers and then get the child's buy-in on different activities again all pre-approved by you um have them pick out what they want to bring even toys clothing have them help pack give maybe give them a backpack to carry their own stuff around in again based on the child's abilities but Every time you give a child a buy-in, you're sort of buying their 
their acceptance of what's going to happen. They have a vested interest in the success of the trip. And if you've just planned it for them and expect them to come along with it, you're not going to get that buy-in. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm wondering about the, so the airports in the States, the airports over here, I know that Manchester airport, I think was the first airport to, to put this in place. And it was with the the sunflower lanyard. Yeah. So somebody is wearing a sunflower lanyard. It's a sort of indicator to the, the airport staff that this person has an invisible disability. Sometimes they can get on the flights or the plane, sorry, a little bit quicker than, than other people. They might not have to queue or there can be a quiet room as well. Mm-hmm. There are many airports in the States that have got that facility. Um, I do talk about the, sun, the sunflower lanyard and I actually have a profile of a woman whose son is on the spectrum and is very big in the train world. I mean, this little guy, I think he's nine or 10 years old, is blogging. People know him all around the UK. And so there's a profile on him. Yes, there is a group called Wings Wings for Autism that has programs around the country. They did close down for COVID. I think they're starting back up where you can walk through the airport and you get a tour of everything from arriving at the airport up until boarding. So nothing is a surprise to you. You can also call various airlines and have them give you that kind of tour. There are sleeves that you can get for your boarding pass that will indicate that you're special needs was, and you can ask for certain things. Very long section on airplane travel, when to get on. Should you be first on or last on? Should you sit toward the front or the back? What should you tell the other passengers on the plane about your child? How you should inform the flight attendant about what might happen with your child during the flight? All that information is there, along with a couple of previews of places in the UK, including leafy fields. Uh, if renting an RV is out of your budget and you want more protection for a quote wanderer than a zipper on a tent can provide a camping cabin might be a consideration. They offer more of the comforts your child expects at home, including a proper bed and even a private shower and toilet and being well insulated. They're better than tents at keeping sounds and weather outside wigwam holidays in the UK assures travelers that their cabin doors are also lockable for greater peace of mind with more than 80 sites available nationwide across farms, coastlines, and in the forest across England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. They say their aim is to help travelers find a campsite suitable to their family's unique needs. Many of the sites are dog-friendly, and some offer wheelchair-accessible cabins specially designed for those with additional mobility needs. Also in the United Kingdom, Leafy Fields has earned an autism-friendly award from the National Autistic Society, among other uh, uh, honors. Located in rural Devon, owners Andrew and Danny Sheard described their venue as family-friendly glamping site with a shepherd hut, two safari tents, and a bell tent. Quote, we have a variety of animals, including mini horses, chickens, guinea pigs, and mini sheep, as well as a willow garden designed for us by Alan Gardner, uh, aka the Autistic Gardener. We offer a sunflower pack for those with hidden disabilities, including autism. It contains social stories, suggestions of places to visit during a stay, a sunflower lanyard, and animal companion uh, communication cards. We also have a sunflower sensory playroom available for guests. It just shows you that there there are places out there, you know, that are are happy to accommodate and have actually went out their way to, to accommodate as well. It's just kind of knowing where where to go and, and where to look. And I suppose that's, you know, what you've done as well is you've put 
it's a big resource for families essentially isn't it that you've pulled you've done all the, the hard the hard work of the, the research and yeah. it all and pulled it all together into into one which is which is brilliant thank um, you yeah, I, what I did was I combined places that were certified autism centers that have received, um, done a lot of training and received that designation from this IBCCES, which is the International Board of Credentialing and Continuing Education Standards. There are also groups like Culture City, Sensory City, uh, CAN, which is Champion Autism Network. They're all doing designations uh, of autism-friendly or certified autism centers. And I have included as many as I could find, but I'm also updating the book on a website called travelingdifferent.com. I have a blog where I will post new stories and updates to the book and new places that have become uh, friendly toward people on the spectrum. I have a Twitter feed called it's traveling diff, D-I-F-F, because there wasn't room for the whole word. And the Facebook page is just traveling different. And I post anything I can find on there. So I, it's so hard to keep the book updated. And this was the only way I could think to do it so that it's it's constantly being updated and brought up to you know the right time. It's great. And families are, I, th- I think often, and like I kind of said earlier on, is these families that kind of struggle to travel and struggle to get away are, are missing out on life experiences, essentially, through no fault of their own, just, you know, that, that traveling's different. It's a bit hard sometimes when there's additional support needs in, into the mix of things. I, I think it's great to be able to, you know, have something there that helps you kind of plan out in advance, think about where you're going, what you're doing, put the tools in place and the, the small steps in place so that everybody can have an equal chance at ex- having these these experiences. Yeah, it's just as important to, as important as it is to introduce the child to the world so they understand that they're sort of a global citizen and there's a world out there to understand that's different than their own. It's also important for the outside world to understand and see what autism is. So when you're out there, you're also educating the world. And when your child has a meltdown, you can go over and say, you know, my child has sensory issues, you know, and sort of get their buy-in and their empathy. And there's a whole section in the book of how to deal with sort of onlookers who might be insensitive and how the various parents are handling that. Um, Another thing that's really important that I didn't mention is when you're planning a child-centric holiday, which I think they all have to be, when your child is young, you have to base it around what they need, not what you need, is pacing. Because I can't tell you how many parents I interviewed, and the book is all advice from parents, certified autism, travel professionals, mental health professionals, not my story. It's, it's all these people I interviewed. Um, how many of them ended up early on carrying their child on their back through most of the theme park because they were just worn out and how you really have to pace the travel to do maybe one or two things a day, as opposed to four or five, and maybe end the day by the pool, letting your child decompress and understanding that that's just the way it is you can go back the next day if there's something you miss but you just can't cram it all in at once absolutely I think that's a really important point I think sometimes people might forget you know when we're maybe out at a a theme park just to go by the example that you just gave there's different smells different sounds lots of visual input as well look you know, the, the roller coasters are going fast, they're busy, so people are kind of coming back and forward. There's the smell of lots of different people as well. All these, every inch of your sensory system is getting shaken a little bit when you're at a theme park. 
and for autistic kids especially and autistic adults spending too long in an environment like that could you know potentially lead to a burnout at the end of the day or like we've mentioned before maybe a meltdown as well so pacing yourself what an important point to bring up as well instead of doing that theme park in one day why not do it in two why not do it in three yeah. And so many of these theme parks are now being um, getting the training to be certified as certified autism centers with uh, maps that show quieter areas where the child can decompress. In the book, I have a whole section on theme parks and water parks. And one of the things you have to remember is always bring your noise canceling headphones, uh, bring dark glasses, even when you're traveling at night to the uh, theme park, because those bright lights can be very disconcerting. Uh, an interesting thing since you brought up smells is that at SeaWorld, there are signs that will say, if you go beyond this part, this is what you're going to smell. And wow. uh, so you can make the decision if feeding the seals is going to be worth the smell you're going to have to endure to do it. So I thought that was really cool to have that kind of signage. Absolutely. That's brilliant. The small, reasonable adjustments like that, that make world of a difference it's not we're not asking for rocket science for from other people to to put in place it's these environmental inputs and environmental adaptations that companies can do if they do do them and they do them well they're opening up their doors to thousands and thousands of more families and yeah. it's a win-win for everybody it's better for business for them and it's better for in the long run for these families that are going to have accessibility to areas that they might not have had before. Yeah. And I think when you see a place in my book, that's either listed as a certified autism center or autism friendly, it's really important to do your due diligence and call or email and ask exactly how they earn their designation and what they offer, because autism friendly can mean a lot of different things to different people. And you want to make sure that it's going to be the right place for your child. You also want to make sure that all the information that I have offered is still valid because things change, designations change, addresses change, I found some places move, especially museums. So always double check everything and um, make sure that if the place does have, say a museum has a sensory day and it's once a month, make sure that it's the day you're in town because you don't want to show up there and get disappointed. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a really good point. Do you think in the future, just after you've done all this, this research, do you think in the future, more places are going to take on board the sort of autism friendly certifications and put in the adaptations into their environments? Do you think more of that's coming? I, I would hope so. I would think that it's not only a question of empathy, but also of economics. And as one theme park does it, another one doesn't want to lose out the business, so they do it. I think that what happened was a lot of places after COVID have sort of lost their designations or dropped them. And I think that's because they couldn't afford to keep them. They might have lost, well, they were closed for two years and they lost staff that might've been trained. So now they're re-upping. And I, I did indicate those that were say certified autism centers in 2021, but no, not this year because they did have the training. And when I contacted them, they did say, well, we're still doing all those things. We just couldn't afford to read up our designation for this year. Again, a good reason to call and check what they offer. But I do think that as more and more places understand what's involved and it's spreading, and this is a, a huge community. I mean, one out of every 44 children is on the spectrum. You don't want to cut that percentage out of your revenue. 
So, and, and that's not even including those with ADHD and mood disorders uh, like bipolar. I include all of that. You don't want to cut those people out. And I just think there's a push for more, more inclusion right now, especially now that people are sort of opening up again and they're trying to rebuild their business. Why not do everything you can to include as many people as you can? Absolutely. Hopefully, you know, I mean, I don't see it happening in the next you know, a couple of years, but hopefully in the future, we don't need these kind of certifications anymore. Everyone is just doing it and just doing it right. That yeah, would that would great. be wonderful. That would in be an great. Ideal world. <laughs> <laughs> in an ideal world. But yeah. Have you got one top tip from all the tips that you've got in your book? Have you got one top tip that you could leave us with today, Dawn? Oh, wow. I would just say have realistic expectations. Don't expect every place to be be the happiest place on earth, because then you're setting yourself up for failure. I mean, start early, repeat, repeat, repeat. When you have social stories, it's not a matter of reading them just once, do it over and over again, role play, really be prepared so that your trip can be as successful as it can be. But if one tip doesn't work, try another one. I list many, many tips for each trigger and each part of the travel. So, you know, just remember this one didn't work. Maybe this one will. And the only other thing is that if your listeners read the book, which I hope they do, and they um, find that their experience was different from what I listed, maybe they found other autism friendly places that I left out, or maybe they didn't have the experience that I had included, or maybe they've come out with a great hack that I didn't include write to me. My email address is in the book. You know, I'm, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I want to hear from people because to me, this was a crowdsourced book. This is not my story. As I said before, send me your information. I'm certainly hoping that there's going to be, you know, a follow-up book or at the very least you've got my blog where I will publish people's experience and anecdotes. And if I've opened up the world for you in any way, email me that too, because that's going to make me very happy. Brilliant. Absolutely. Oh, I love that, Dawn. And what a fantastic book and, and resource that you've you've put out there for people. Thank you so much for, for coming on and, and chatting with me today. It's been lovely speaking to you. Thank you. I just want to say one other thing. The book comes out August 15th. You can pre-order it, the hardcover and also the audiobook. The ebook can't be pre-ordered. It'll be out on August 15th. And I hope people enjoy it. Brilliant. The countdown's on. <laughs> 